0: hey everyone welcome to cover to cover presents live with matt and derek my name is derek and i am matt it's a good morning to you sir good morning matt um matt what day is it today 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 right now right now today today, today in the present that we are in currently recording this right now what day is it
1: well uh
0: It's 420. It's 420. The answer to that question is it's 420. Do you know what that means, people? It is time to smoke weed. Weed. (laughs) Um, I'm not actually smoking any weed. Neither are you, Matt. Um, That is because we're professionals here on this show. We're so professional, in fact, that today is Monday, April 20th. And we usually tape the show on Saturdays and edit it on Sundays. And because we did that already, and uh, we 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 had a show, uh, something happened—technical things. I don't want to get into it because honestly, I don't want to bore you with the boring details. You're probably smoking weed, and uh, we're doing this again. So this is take two. <laughs>
1: We liked our conversation so much, we wanted to do it all over. We again. wanted to
0: just talk about the same yeah. stuff over and over again. We love it. Um, so we are. Uh, uh, what's 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 the what's the phrase? Consummate professionals. Consummate, um, consummate professionals. Um, Matt, how are you feeling today on this lovely four twenty? I'm feeling great.
1: Mm. I'm feeling great. I'm ready to start the week. I'm still quarantined i feel like i've been wearing the same pajamas for days which is you know
0: i'm just kind of just how many many pairs of pajamas do you how many pairs of pajamas do you have though like are you like a guy who like you open their closet and there's like these are my work clothes and these are my play clothes and then this is the pajama section and you have like
1: yeah i'm a little structured that way oh wow Um, i i have all of my pajamas on hangers well, all yeah, my pa- all my ch- pajamas usually get ironed. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I've I've got maybe like six or seven pairs. I
0: I rotate. You have I rotate. A, would you say you have a plethora of pajamas? A plethora, p- panoply. Would Would you say that you have a plethora? I'm trying to think of a pajama, pajama, pajamarethra. pajama-rethra? a, ple- a pl- would you have a a jamas pajamas jamas okay yeah um that's bad and and, and <laughs> they're
1: all labeled like the ones i'm wearing right now have have like a little m for monday on mon-
0: right mm-hmm. do you have do you have like a special uh like holiday pajamas do you have any holiday themed um do you have like an I Easter like Easter bunny pajamas or like I should I should I Christmas should. pajamas? Yeah. Or, I do have Christmas pajamas.
1: They're very. I have a pair of that. Uh, they're very sort of Kevin. I can't even talk. Kevin McAllister esque okay. <laughs> from from Home Alone. Yeah, yeah.
0: As yeah. opposed to the famous serial killer Kevin McAllister, who also know. who also murdered in pajamas. Um. Oh. oh. <laughs> Folks, this is a true crime podcast where we make up serial killers and tell you about them because they're honestly more interesting than real serial killers.
1: Hey, now you've got me fixated on Kevin McAllister being a
0: serial killer. Well, isn't he, though? Because, like, he's a sociopath for sure. I thought he was foiling the wet bandits, but now he, you've got... I mean, he was you know. foiling the wet bandits, but I mean, he also came up with, like, all of those crazy contraptions and those traps, and he, he came up with plans. He wrote plans he drew like a like a map of his house, like a like a game board, and like like came up with like a criminal plans plans a bank heist. Mm. He planned this foiling the crooks in his house. Kevin McAllister is definitely working for the CIA or the NSA, like right now, and not by choice, <laughs> like. He was definitely caught doing something, and now he's working for us. Like that's, and he was, and he was definitely inspired by mob movies. When you think about it, before Le- Little Nero's came to the door, <laughs> that's you know? true. He was watching uh, whatever whatever that fake movie was, Rat Bait or whatever it was called. Like, yeah. it was like a fake. They made a fake movie inside of the movie, which is the best because those movies have lore. Like there are there, it's like a there's a. Um, have you heard of that the 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 Mandela effect thing that people talk about all the time on the internet, mm-hmm. where yep. like people swear that Nelson Mandela died in the eighties in prison, but then like they don't remember a timeline when he was alive for like thirty more years, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um and. And like this, people think like it's the Bernstein Bears, but it's the Bernstein Bears, and they remember it being the Bernstein Bears, and it's just like you're just misremembering things. But that's that's definitely one of them. That's definitely like a like a Mandela effect thing.
1: I don't know. I, I remember Kevin McAllister had a, a a live music project. They didn't cut any records, but uh, he he kind of decided to write his own lyrics. Uh, all about pizza and the prod do you remember this the project was this called is, the pizza yeah, underground pizza underground it was I, it was like I saw they, them at the black cat in DC you saw were,
0: the pizza underground? I did oh wow I did what was that like i
1: uh, it was awful
0: <laughs> I would imagine all, I, I I I you know what we're little a little bit later in the show we're gonna we're gonna be talking about uh some stuff the uh, for you guys but I I, I wanna I' want table this for then um because I this is going to go somewhere really fun. And I think, I think you know what, let's just have this conversation now. So a little bit later in the show, we're going to be talking about uh, some stuff that we would like to, like a list that we were going to compile. But right now, I would like to compile a list. Um, best show lineup, like three or four bands in a row that you can possibly think of with the Pizza Underground, bands like the Pizza Underground, such as um, Corey Feldman's oh. band. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, like child star bands. Does anyone know if like Haley Joel Osmond has like an electronic side project or something like, cause he could totally like open this show. I think so. Although Haley Joel yeah. Osmond's just cool in general. He's, he's popping up in all kinds of awesome, like sci-fi and stuff now, like as an adult child actor.
1: bands, good grief, child
0: actor bands, let's child actor bands. Let's do a little research on this. Maybe we're, maybe we'll start a new podcast about child actor bands. Um, there was a child star that developed a really cool project. Rilo Kylie. Oh yeah. Jenny Lewis. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh, um Joseph Gordon-Levitt has his like hit record thing that like features like music and film and art and stuff and he's yeah. also like a, a pretty accomplished musician as well. Mm-hmm. Um and he was a child actor. Uh that's pretty cool actually. We should go down this rabbit hole a little bit more on the internet uh, folks go ahead and write into the show. If you know of any really cool like child actor bands that you want to turn us on to go ahead and write cover two cover live on uh, Twitter and Instagram. That is cover the number two cover live. And uh, let us know if you have any cool like child actor bands that like grew up, you know, like uh, wasn't um, Dakota Fanning in that runaways movie. Doesn't she know how to play an instrument? Probably. Like, isn't she in a band?
1: There's also Hannah Montana.
0: Yeah, but that does that count? Like, cause you're all right. So Hannah Montana—that's the—that's the daughter of a musician already. Like, I mean, and like, that's not really. Does that? Okay. Do you think that that counts? Is that the same as Macaulay Culkin? child actor who's known like his parents who are his parents do you know who his parents are i have no earthly idea no um they put him into auditions as a child and then he got the career that is the person that i'm talking about she was famous because her dad was famous that doesn't count there's a thing going on right now in case you guys didn't know Uh, where we're all stuck inside, there's a virus. For those of you listening in the future, and and this is over with, and we're all okay, whew, um, that was rough, wasn't it, guys? Anyway, (laughs) there's a virus, we're all stuck inside, so we miss the concept of the festival, the live live music experience uh, in particular, which is what this show is all about. Um, And we're going to... We're going to kind of pick up where we left off last episode, uh, which was sort of around. We were talking about like television and radio advancements, and that led to a lot of, you know, bands being introduced to people in their homes uh, in person being able to see bands for the first time without actually having to like pay pay a ticket price or like go to a show like you can just be on your couch and you can experience a little taste of what it's like to experience this band live and how impressive and and important that was but now we're going to take it to 11 because we are in person live face to face for this episode <laughs> hello matt it's nice to see your face by the way <laughs>
1: Nice to see you, Derek. <laughs> um, do I'm you sort want to... of tilt it at a diagonal angle, just because my uh phone is not only charging, but it just my tripod likes to behave <laughs> in, a very, in a very contrarian way.
0: You can you can hold the yeah. phone the whole time if you want to if you want to stare into my eyes. I don't mind. It's fine.
1: I'd rather I'd rather not.
0: Oh, you'd rather not stare into my eyes, or you'd rather not hold the phone the whole time.
1: I'd rather not stare into your eyes.
0: I I understand. Matt is is uh, quite quite the uh, quite the hard worker he loves to hold a good phone Um, so Matt let's let's talk a little bit about some festivals so when would you say like so television was in the 50s and the 60s the golden age of television is the 50s but what would you say is the golden age of live music would you say the 60s I would
1: say the 60s bleeding into the early 70s, but I think it would be good or behoove us to focus on the mid-60s first.
0: All right, let's talk a little bit about that. What you got?
1: Well, we have the Newport Folk Festival in 1965. That was a very pivotal moment in folk and rock history.
0: Why was that pivotal
1: It was pivotal because the major folk artist at the time and, you know, de facto protest singer named Bob Dylan decided to perform an electric set at Newport. That was a big deal because he was not just well respected in folk circles, but oh my gosh, he's turning our festival on its head. We're all going to Hell in a handbasket. The world's going to hell in a handbasket because one performer decided to plug in an electric guitar. Wait and a we minute. need to cut his cables.
0: You're telling me that mm. Bob Dylan mm-hmm. tried to bring rock music to a folk festival? He sure did. And he wow. did not alert the concert
1: committee. He did not <sighs> alert his fellow colleagues in the folk world, like Pete Seeger, who uh, incidentally tried to cut the cables on. His guitar and, you know, probably some some other people who were performing on stage at the time. Wow. The people screamed bloody murder. I can't imagine.
0: The brass balls mm. on his brass bed. God, they must mm. have been big. Mm. Um I see what you did there. Ooh. Mm-hmm um i i will probably cut that joke so it's a a
1: good one (laughs) thank
0: you i just thought of it because i'm lay lady lazy um i also had a good one this morning i was tweeting about it was grape puns just puns about grapes um anyway okay so dylan (laughs) dylan went electric in 1965 so before 1965 he he had this career of being very acoustic folky like i remember him you know Hey, Mr. Timberman, you know like that like <laughs>
1: yeah
0: and yeah. and then he decided to go electric and everyone just like like did everyone react well to this like like other than the people who thought that he was a satanist like did everyone who appreciated his music before this like did he at least have some like carryover fans or was it all like everyone dumped him and then he just became like new popular and like old dylan fans were just like oh dude you should have heard his old stuff it was way better his new stuff is like i don't even know what he's doing it's so commercial like were those were there those people in 1965 I'm, sure I'm sure there were I'm music sure there nerds were. I'm sure there were
1: yeah there were plenty of people that that got ticked off but eventually it's they probably grew to accept it because he made a lot of really cool records afterwards he's he was more prolific than ever at this period of time. So yeah, Highway Sixty One came out and majority of those songs were yeah, three quarters were probably electric based.
0: When did he make Jacob know. Dylan? Because I think that was when he should have stopped. When did he <laughs> when did he make him? I just don't like the wallflowers. I'm I'm bad
1: there's a b-side called wildflower that's named after his newborn son
0: oh boy yeah
1: but the Newport Folk Festival in 65 was a really it was it was an important festival because there were these it was it was a crossover moment and i think it might have been one of the first crossover moments in music period mm. um where he still he kept his you know his his folk fans but okay what the hell is he just did well i'll just keep I'll stick with him. Maybe he'll kind of revert back to his old self eventually. Right, I mean, of course. That, that happens with a lot of bands, right? You know, you always... Yeah, you know, they try if on you some lo- If you love their old material, you know, you hope that they kind of revisit, you know, what they were up to, say, you know, 10 years ago or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was that was a big festival. And then uh, fast forward a couple of years where we had the Monterey Pop Festival out in California. and. Oh, yeah. You know, speaking of just crossovers and diversity of acts, you had Otis Redding. You had Ravi Shankar that introduced the Beatles to uh, Indian-based, sitar-based music. Mm -hmm. Um, So Ravi, you know, put on his own uh, set. You had Janis Joplin at, at Monterey. That was a really important moment for her. You had Jimi Hendrix, you know, throwing some gasoline on his electric guitar as Fender Stratocaster. And nobody had ever seen that before, seeing, a, you know, an instrument set ablaze, you know, shortly after, uh, he, you know, he, he and his band set ended. You had, um,
0: I mean, there's a there's a, a, a movie
1: yeah, It was a movie. It was filmed by D. Was a a- Penny Baker.
0: Which is a really big deal because like, I grew up watching this movie and I, I remember being very confused at the time because I was like, you know, six or seven when I, when I first saw it. Um, and of course it was just, you know, super old at that point. Um, but I remember being very confused at the time because I was like watching these bands that I also knew about from Woodstock, but I but I wasn't sure if I was watching footage from Woodstock or if I was watching footage from a different thing. So like, you know, being born 40 years after this, like, (laughs) or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess 20 years after this, um, but being around 40 years after this, 50 years after this now, uh, it's the 50th anniversary two years ago, three years ago. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's huge. The, 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 the acts like Jefferson airplane and, you know, you mentioned Otis Redding, obviously, uh, one of the, one of the biggest, uh, Acts on this lineup,
1: Hendrix. Right? Yeah, he sets his guitar on fire, and for for him and his career, this was a bigger festival than Woodstock was two years later. Yeah, because they had Jimi Hendrix as what the very last artist performing at like on a Monday morning. Trash is all over the ground. He's, yeah, he's playing a couple songs, and everybody you know knows his rendition of national anthem or Star Star Spangled Banner. Um, yeah, of course this was this was this was humongous this was humongous and i think the the who had to follow Jimi hendrix and people were like hell no right who who in the who in the world's gonna follow this nobody's ever seen this before
0: i know um that was that i think that was my first time seeing the mamas and the papas as well which was really interesting um for me growing up because i listened to them a lot but like that was my first experience was watching them in that in that movie Mhm. Um very very cool, man.
1: Yo, who else did we have? We had Scott McKenzie, uh you know that San Francisco, if you're going to San Francisco. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Tony Bennett made that famous, you know. But yeah, he wrote that song Simon & Garfunkel performed 59th Street Bridge
0: song. Oh, Simon um, & Garfunkel, we talked about them last episode a bunch. We did. Yeah, we did. Um yeah. That was uh that was really wicked. Um like they I, they hold a really special place in my heart for a few weird reasons. I mean, like, no one can deny that they, they're just classic blends of just, like, two very complimentary voices that are just, like, oh, perfect together, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I I have this really weird Simon and Garfunkel connection where I grew up playing Duke Nukem on my computer. And I would listen to, uh, for those of you who don't know, Duke Nukem is, like, a really dumb first person shooter where you it's like a rail kind of where you like walk through like area and you shoot aliens and and he's very cheesy and has like action movie one-liners and stuff and he says things like you know like movie and like you know kick ass and stuff like that like it's very and there's like lots of tits and aliens and it's a cool game um but i grew up playing this game and i had like a playlist that i would listen to on like my winamp mp3 player on my computer and it. It was like, I could fit like, you know, 10 songs. So they would just rotate over and over again. And one of them uh, was The Boxer um, by Simon and Garfunkel. And it mm-hmm. just over and over and over again. And I just, I just remember like walking through corridors, shooting aliens and listening to The Boxer. And I just will never disassociate Simon and Garfunkel with that video game ever that's a crazy connection they're always going to be entwined in my brain um (laughs) yeah good stuff um so so that was awesome but this didn't this sort of like this was sort of like the first like like this brought festivals to the big screen you know and yes and and you know i mean you had like beatles movies and stuff like that so like people could go to the theaters and see the beatles but this was just a festival almost a documentary um Mm -hmm. but a a concert and and you could just go see it in theaters and i feel like that inspired a a lot of people to want to start their own thing (laughs) and Mm -hmm. and the popularity of monterey pop just exploded and led to a lot of people trying their own festivals and starting their own like hometown versions of that and i think very very famously one of you know, the very next year Woodstock, Woodstock. <laughs>
1: just what a crazy mess. Oh boy. A beautiful mess in some respects, but a crazy mess. Nonetheless, woefully unprepared to accommodate so many people, but we had a lot of great artists. I mean, Santana, you could you argue, you know, he made his entire career with one set at Woodstock. Okay. You had, what the second or third gig by Crosby stills Nash and young, you had Joe Cocker, who again, you know, oh, live Joe perfor- Cocker made his bank performing with a little help from
0: my friends, dude. Okay. And like that, and I feel like, you know, we like that, that song, especially partially because it was the theme song to the wonder years. Sure. Um, but also because like literally everyone, my parents age just like reacts to that song so like
1: they're transported backwards
0: yeah they all yeah. sort of feel this like connection like they it, it's it's like it's almost like an out of body experience it for is some,
1: when they hear a song that they connected with in yesteryear
0: yeah like they'll start dancing you know? and they'll start swaying they'll start you know just yeah. remembering what it was like to you know do that stuff and be there and and feel that and hear that for the first time and and be swept up in that in that moment, you know, Mm-hmm. pretty exciting stuff. Half a million
1: people attended Woodstock and then three or four months later, the utopian dream of the 60s came to a really sad and tragic end with Altamont. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about that. Let's talk about. Uh... OK, so I mean that.
1: At the Speedway. Yeah lots of really big important bands were there mm-hmm. big brother and the holding company janis joplin rolling,
0: rolling stones, stones. <laughs> just...
1: you won't you you immediately just think of oh this was the rolling stones concert where oh. things just were, were a a a scary and total disaster
0: let's let's walk them through this a little bit so the rolling stones are performing right mm-hmm. um everything's going well do you know what song they were they were in the middle of by chance, or I want to say it was Jump and Jack Flash. Interesting. All right.
1: And it was later immortalized in that Don McLean tune, American Pie, as to what happened at Altamont. Mm-hmm. He confirmed that, you know, years and years later.
0: Yeah. Um. So we had Altamont. Yeah. Um, all right. So they were playing probably Jumpin' Jack Flash, and what happened? Like, was it a miscommunication? Or like do we even know? Or was it just like a fan
1: I, I think it's a real hazy blur but the story goes that there was somebody that was really high on methamphetamines that was threatening the lives of people on stage specifically mick jagger and apparently this guy wheeled out some 22 caliber rifle or shotgun and uh a hell's a member of the hell's angel security staff saw this and acted very swiftly and took this guy's life his name was uh i believe meredith hunter if i'm not mistaken
0: then what happened and
1: all hell broke loose basically yeah. and yeah people got trampled uh apparently the band did not see what happened from the stage as they were performing
0: right of course not
1: so yeah
0: it it's it's so that it's so it's crazy and it's tragic and it and it led To so many changes in just how we do everything as an industry. Uh, But I mean, like that, all of these weird changes and regulations sort of like led to a lot of crazy stories and a lot of like weird things being necessary. And I think the most classic example is like band writers being altered and being so meticulous. And I think the most famous rock and roll band writer story is van halen um where you know with the m&ms yeah i think we we we've probably talked about this in person if not on your podcast cover to cover conversations with matt tarka check out cover to cover com. um i i love this story because it it really emphasizes how someone can be misconstrued as being particular or an asshole which i am often but it's like no there's a really good reason why i am being this particular and an asshole about it and it's like van halen had a, had a deal in their rider for those of you who don't know a rider is like in a in a, an addendum to a contract that usually lists like things that the the venue needs to provide for the artists typically hospitality and technical stuff like you know we need bottled water in the green room we need fresh yeah. towels we're gonna want to shower. Vegetable
1: tray. Y- yeah. yeah,
0: we want some vegetables yeah. to eat. Uh here's our lighting specs. Here's our, our pyro specs. Here's our drum specs. Our techs need this. We need this this type of voltage for this type of, of amp. Otherwise, we're going to blow something. We need this type of capacitor. Otherwise, someone's going to die. Those types of things were usually included in the technical portion of the rider. And Van Halen included in their hospitality portion, which was massive. They just kind of snuck it right in the middle uh, that they wanted a bowl of M&Ms, but they wanted all of the brown M&Ms picked out. No brown M&Ms, but every other color was fine. People heard this and went, what a bunch of fucking assholes. (laughs) Like, what a bunch of prima donna, like, how dare they? What a bunch of jerks. And they treat people like crap. And I heard that they're rude. And I heard one of them gave someone VD. And like, (laughs) you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. Literally, the reason is, if Van Halen walks into their dressing room and there's a single brown M&M in that bowl, the venue didn't read the fucking writer. So the venue probably didn't install anything correctly probably doesn't have the right voltage regulation someone is going to get electrocuted tonight a light is going to fall and kill my drummer my bass player is going to like get shocked or something like anything can go wrong and we have a we have thousands if not millions of dollars worth of equipment and 30 to 40 people like setting up all of this stuff every night it has to be perfect and if it isn't people get hurt And it's really serious. Like, I know, I have friends who have been crushed (laughs) by stage equipment and, like, have been permanently injured. Some are better than others and some are not. (laughs) And it's a really dangerous job, like, being around all of this metal and electronics and sweat and like spilled things and like every, like anything can happen and you need to account for all of that. And that's literally the reason why these M&Ms were on that rider in the first place. And I love that story. (laughs) because You
1: used the word meticulous earlier. Yes. That's exactly what this is. This is about details.
0: Yeah. If you, if you're not detail oriented and you're going into this, something is going to go wrong. Like that's how you get into accidents. That's just how bad things that are avoidable happen. Sometimes a crazy fan brings a gun to to the to the venue and you can't do anything about it. And yeah. they and they shoot Selena or <laughs> or mm-hmm. they kill Dimebag Daryl. Um sometimes the band sets uh, sets fire to the venue and uh who was that uh, great white or whatever? Great Great White. Yeah. yeah. Um because pyrotechnics uh that shouldn't have been in that venue <laughs> you know and yeah. like there's an investigation and usually you find out is it an avoidable thing and yeah usually but sometimes it isn't and i understand that there is definitely uh you know a line but m&ms dude it's the best M&Ms. i love it it's M- the best story M&Ms. Ever. Well, uh, yes. what do you what do you got you said you had a thing Sorry.
1: I did have a thing and it's uh just flashing forward a couple of decades. It's another rider, you know, kind of situation that yeah. made, you know, a lot of waves in the mass media and a lot of, you know, uh, social media, you know, waves in this day and age and that was a rider that was leaked uh in Oklahoma City, I believe. This was for Jack White. Okay. Not the White Stripes, but Jack oh, White. Oh yeah, 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 it I was remember, I remember it was it. it was his personal uh recipe for guacamole. Yeah. And yeah, and everybody just—it wasn't even about screaming bloody murderers. It was basically why does this asshole, you know, have the right to tell this venue that he needs to have his own special guacamole recipe prepared for him? It was just this idea of why him? That. Why does he? Why should he feel entitled? But again, this is about
0: brown details. MMs.
1: Brown MMs. It's, <laughs> it, it, it's brown MMs. It's, brown it's M&M's. just Ugh.
0: his. Yeah. Yeah. If there isn't if you, there isn't the right amount of cilantro in this guacamole, the then I'm walking. <laughs> like, if the right. lime if the lime juice isn't perfect, <laughs> like,
1: yeah, totally. If so, yeah, if so, if something, yeah, if that recipe or flavor is out of balance, well, what else didn't you take care? Did of? Did you use iodine
0: salt instead of Himalayan pink salt? I'm I'm gone. Like, <laughs> right, right, <laughs>
1: right. It
0: it sounds so trivial,
1: but when you're up on stage and you might have a fear of being electrocuted,
0: details, man.
1: You've got a big problem on your hands. Yeah.
0: If if brown M and M's is the, is the difference between me getting getting killed on stage or walking off and playing another show, like yeah, <laughs> read my yeah. read my writer, please. Yeah. Um, and I don't think he's uh,
1: he has played in Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma, since. Well, that's crazy. Um, yeah, that's really crazy. But he was he was pissed off that that was leaked,
0: and who wouldn't be? I mean, do we want do we want to try to make? jack white's guacamole do we want to <laughs> do we want to look up the recipe and like try to make this and like instagram it and like we'll do like a how to make jack white's guacamole on our instagram like live like do you want me to film myself and then you don't have to do any actual work and then <laughs> I'll just make guacamole. Or, I just want. Or, I just or, want to eat guacamole. I think that's where I'm we at, at, at right now. Or so we have I'm, a spe- qu- <laughs> I'm quarantined in my house in Virginia. Derek, Derek, Derek we have a special edition
1: either. about rider requests. <laughs> we we could have a bowl of and and film it and, and show people how to pick out the brown ones,
0: <laughs> and then how to save me all the green ones because green's my favorite color. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um there's a
0: story in there somewhere i bet so but this but all right so this led to sort of like more modern day festivals like now yeah. like festivals now are operated way different than festivals then i mean like festivals now are still kind of shady and you know it's a lot of payola and like you know crap like that but still i mean like there's i guess there's a big difference between like a Lollapalooza. Warp Tour. A Warp yeah. Tour uh you know Horde, remember Horde from the 90s? Yeah. Uh yeah. then the uh, then like, you know, like a like a Coachella or um mm-hmm. or like a Fire lock-in. Festival. <laughs> Maybe not locking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we talk about Fire Festival for a minute and what a failure that was or FY uh, Fire mm-hmm. Festival. It was a failure with a y. Um mm-hmm what a con yeah right uh i so like i would i would i would say that the festival spirit is still very much alive there's there's annual festivals all the time in every city every state every country uh all over the world um probably like half a dozen like county run festivals Mm -hmm. i know in my county uh which is fairfax county virginia they would celebrate fairfax every summer and they have big bands every summer like i've i've played that festival five or six times in various projects and i've opened for uh i I don't want to say like on the same stage as opened but like been on a stage (laughs) on the same bill as you know uh maybe not the same stage as bands like joan jet but, you know, radio stations do it, too. There's Shamrock Fest every year. And um... all right. So I think we, we're kind of caught up now. We talked a lot about we're a little more modern festivaled. Do you want to talk about any modern festivals before we move on to our personal segment?
1: Uh, Any modern festivals. Let's see. There was a big one that's still going on about 25 years after the origin and that is Lollapalooza, which became kind of a traveling circus that was uh orchestrated by perry pharrell of jane's addiction that brought in a lot of the alternative rock bands of the day now it's a little bit more chicago centric it's focused in right. Grant park but that was a really important festival for the majority of the 90s
0: so that that and, traveled yeah, yeah. right that was a traveling yeah. festival
1: that was a traveling festival, and the Warp Tour kind of took on the tradition of Lollapalooza, brought in you know slightly different band stylistically, but yeah. the spirit was relatively the same.
0: Well, I, I think the main difference between Warp Tour and Lollapalooza is uh, Warp Tour was never on the Simpsons. Ooh, fair.
1: that's a that is a very fair point. Got him. Yeah.
0: Lollapalooza yeah. landmark festival because it was on the Simpsons. That's how you know if it was on the Simpsons, then it's important. That's how you know
1: when you've arrived.
0: Yeah, when you're on The Simpsons.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, when I'm on The Simpsons, uh, that's how you know that that show needs to be canceled.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> or it was my, or it was it was my make a wish, and I'm dying. In which case, you know, <laughs> oh, for Pete's sake, <laughs> um, do you you want to talk about <laughs> some personal stuff? Sure. You want to get personal? All right, Let's folks, get, we get, have a yeah. We have a little segment on this show we like to call Let's Get Personal. Um, And I kind of played a little prank on you last week and and told you that there was theme music, but there wasn't. But this week, there is theme music. Are you ready, Matt, for our Let's Get Personal theme music? Ready. All right, here we go. Hold on, hold on. Uh, uh, Let's... mm. Let's get personal. Let's get personal. Get personal. Let's get personal. Get personal. That's it. I dig it. Yeah, it's a keeper. Uh, no, it's not. But I'm not gonna delete it. <laughs> uh, Matt, let's get personal. Um, you're you're a musician. Have you? Have you ever performed as a musician?
1: <laughs> Why, yes, Derek, I have performed as a musician. Are we talking about festivals or are we talking about Well, hold on, I'm, 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 hold on,
0: hold on. Don't get ahead of me now, Sonny. No. Alrighty. <laughs> okay, don't All get right. ahead of me now, Sonny. Okay. Uh, excuse me, sir, have you ever performed? I see you <laughs> have a guitar, but have you ever performed musically? You missed your calling what is like pretending to be an old man No there are openings right now in the Simpsons <laughs> I don't want to cancel the Simpsons Not cancel No but have you ever have you ever uh have you ever played at a festival and if so oh, yeah. uh what was the first festival you ever played at the, f-
1: the first festival ooh Very first I would say my first proper music festival was I'd say it was probably 2000 12 I won't count music still happens here <laughs> um hey which, which was cool
0: that that wasn't a festival that was a showcase no, that was that was a showcase for those of you listening I will talk about this because music still happens here was a compilation CD that I put out like twice um and then I realized that uh it's a lot of work and uh, no one wants to do it <laughs> except for me <laughs> and I was tired of doing it all by myself. Um,
1: okay, my first proper festival, music festival, was, I would think it was 2012 or 13 at, it was in this little uh, sort of like cool artsy neighborhood out, well, in Alexandria, the uh, neighborhood's called Del Rey, and uh, it was a Del Rey music festival, and there were two stages, I was playing solo acoustic on the smaller stage, it was uh, kind of a small tractor trailer bed uh, in the middle of May and uh there was a nice i would say sizable crowd there for a saturday afternoon bright beautiful day um it was just like you know kind of where a a baseball field met a dog park i believe or something along those (laughs) lines right right in that sort of main (laughs) avenue mount vernon avenue in delray so i had a wonderful time um i think we were both on that bill you were playing with a different project and there was it was just a whole slew of local bands and maybe one or two national acts, from what I recall.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, those were those were great. Um, Where should we be taking our conversation next? I uh, I don't want to talk about my first time performing at a festival because it's dumb. You don't. It's it's at high school. It's at a high school. All right. So I was in high school. I'll talk about it. My first time performing at a festival was uh, at high school. Um, we had uh, my high school's. Initials were uh, WSHS, and uh, for Woodbridge Senior High School, and uh, we were in earshot of the radio station um, WHFS, uh, which had the HF Festival every year and uh, until they stopped, um, and are no longer a radio station. But our high school put on a festival called the WSHS Festival because um, they're clever and uh, my my high school band uh who i think i've mentioned on the show were we're called self-titled self-hyphen titled you can look us up on itunes uh we played and they filmed it and they put it on the public access channel that we ran um it was like channel 49 or something like that like local um and we we were on it like basically every weekend for like a year um, which is really cool for us being, you know, fifteen and sixteen, being on TV. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big deal when you're.
1: It's a big deal. Fifteen
0: and sixteen. Um, Matt, I want to ask you a quick question. On let's get personal here. Uh, I want to take a little detour out of our uh, actual lives and talk about our dream lives for a minute. I want you to fantasize with me. Can you do that? I want you to get. A real imag- imagine me. I want you to, to to reach down to that place in your imagination hole. I want you to just stick your fist right up in your imagination hole. Just, just give it a good shove. And I want you to reach around in there. I want you to dig real deep in the back of your imagination hole. Until you, you find something. And when you find that, I want you to give it a little touch on Because I want you to pull out of your imagination hole your all-time top 10, dead or alive, money is no object, festival lineup. Who would you book on your dream festival, Matt Tarka? Anyone can go. Elvis Presley. Freddie Mercury. They can start a super group. I don't care. Dream Line up. But here's the deal. You gotta tell me like if it's if you want Elvis on your on your thing, do you want nineteen fifty-five Elvis? Or do you want nineteen seventy-three Elvis? Okay. In no particular order. <laughs> oh please, don't order this. That's the last thing. The okay. last thing I'd want you to be is meticulous. Nirvana. Nineteen ninety one. Okay, so like right like never mind. Just never mind era. Never mind era. Maybe some stuff off bleach.
1: Yeah. Maybe some in yeah, utero
0: demos will leak out, yeah, but okay. They're All in the right. set, yeah, yeah, All yeah. They're right. in the set
1: list. They're in the set list. Okay. Um, Beatles, 65.
0: Ooh. Why 65? Not a fan of like, they're more uh, revolutionary stuff or you just want that Revol- classic.
1: I like, the, I like the classics, but I like where, I like the forerunner that is 1965. You had Revolver. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after that, you know, maybe some Rubber Soul, you know, ideas are leaking into the set list. Mm. So Revolver and Rubber Soul are my, that's my fun, classic era Beatles. Yeah, all right. All right. Dinosaur Jr., 1987. Ooh. Circa, you're living all over me.
0: I hope you brought earplugs to this, because that's going to be uh, loud.
1: <laughs> hell yes. Yeah. We've got Blind Melon in 92. B-Girl album. Nothing. I Nothing from from soup or uh, yeah, nothing from super or, or Nico. Um, it's just early stages of that group. Green Day 1994.
0: Oh, Dookie. of course.
1: Of course. With some Kerplunk with some Kerplunk and uh, 39 smooth songs mixed in there. Well,
0: like when 1994, though, because if it's like December 1994, there could be some insomniac songs. Uh, that's OK. All right. Are you not a that's fan okay. of Insomniac? Have we talked about that?
1: Do <laughs> I we like need, Insomniac. Do we need to have no, a no? I whole... like Insomniac because no, because I mentioned '86.
0: That's right, you did. Okay, that's I fair. Did. That's no. Fair. I like
1: Insomniac. Yeah, I, I saw Green Day on their Insomniac tour. Cool. And cool I still cool. have the t-shirt too. Ooh.
0: That's my yeah. favorite. That's my favorite
1: Green ring Day ring tea, By the way, it's a ring tee.
0: <laughs> I love it. Oh, yeah. I used to have a Green Day yeah. ring tea, but it you know it shrunk, yeah. and also I was twelve. So
1: (laughs) snap a picture and show you, um,
0: please do. All right. So, so green day. Yeah.
1: Damn the torpedoes. Uh, Tom Petty, 1979, 79, early 80. Okay. That's that classic lineup with Stan Lynch. Okay. Um, Jayhawks 90, 95. So you've got Hollywood town hall and tomorrow, the green grass, really cool. alt Country band. All right. I like still around. Yeah. Slight lineup change, uh, but still around. Um, Almond Brothers from set in 1971 with Dwayne still in the picture. Still love the almonds to this day, but I love that interplay between Dickie Betts and Dwayne. Got the right. band here in my head from nineteen sixty eight. Um and then I guess you could say a bit of a bit of a surprise is uh 9596 era neutral milk hotel
0: before Ooh. they inevitably broke up in 98 wow yeah so I saw Jeff
1: Magnum I never saw the band perform live mm-hmm. but I saw Jeff Magnum do a solo thing in DC a couple years back and that was that gave that gave me a lot of hope that's,
0: <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty cool I I remember I made a a playlist um, like a mixtape CD thing, a mix CD for my buddy in high school. And it was, uh, it was, it was all food bands. <clears throat> so it was all either like songs about food or bands with food names and they were like intercut. So it would be like a weird owl parody and then it would be like a neutral milk hotel song. Uh-huh. And then it would be like a, like another weird owl parody because it's all songs about food. And then it would be um like an apples and stereo song and then oh yeah
1: uh, yeah you
0: know like that kind of stuff um because i was clever uh so that's what i was that's exactly what i was thinking of too yeah Yeah. i mean they they feel like those two bands together would be like a pretty good like dream team of a a lineup yeah that would be a weird show That that would that would be almost like the time that i saw slater kinney open up for bell and sebastian Who is on what my, my list? list? Let's start. Let's start with that. Yeah. Let's talk about Who's my list. Your, let's get personal, Derek. Uh, not Slater Kinney. I've seen them. I saw them open for Bell and Sebastian. Who would be on my list? Uh, so let's start with Bell and Sebastian. Uh, but I would say like 2003 era Bell and Sebastian. So like Dear Catastrophe Waitress has come out. Um, mm-hmm. uh, super big band. I think there's like they're like a nine or an eleven piece at this point. Like and so good live and this is literally i think i saw them in 04 or 05 so i I've, I've seen this lineup it's great i want to experience that but they wouldn't open i would just say they would be on the bill somewhere um i would also again definitely on the bill somewhere uh probably uh cake um but like 1998 era cake Um, so you get all that like good, like fashion nugget stuff and then like some like prolonging the magic and like, you know, a little bit of that, uh, kind of leaks out. It's good. Uh, I love cake and I still have never seen them like in the, in the, in the, in the, I can, I can touch them in the, in the, that what's that called? Real life.
1: What's real life?
0: Uh, it's that thing that's outside that we're not allowed to experience. Mm. Um,
1: cause we might get sick,
0: but you know, who's sick, uh, and not in the bad way, but in the awesome way, uh, my next band, <laughs> uh, I would probably add, they might be giants to that list. Um, also I've never seen them, uh, as a band. So like 1998, they might be giants probably. Um. Going down the list, I would, I've would i seen this band numerous times. I opened for them last summer at Punk Rock Bowling, uh, and I literally just hung out the whole time backstage that they performed, and it was still the best show I had ever seen from any angle, and that would be rancid. Um, Hell yeah. Every time I see them, just it's a killer performance. They just totally own the room. And there are very few bands that can do that. Part of it has to do with the fact that everyone there loves them, but... Another part of it has to do with, like, maybe they don't. I've seen them in festival capacities where it's a mixed bag. Like, some of them are there because they're there for Rancid, but some people might not be. And they win the crowd over every time.
1: I still love An Outcome of the Wolves.
0: That's one of the best records um, ever, ever. That and I I still, I mean, like, Life Won't Wait uh, is my favorite Rancid album, which is why I would probably want to see, like... I would, I would, I would, I want to. I don't want to stick with this like late '90s thing because I still like like later rancid. So I would say like 2003 rancid, like indestructible era rancid um, would be awesome. Um, Benfold's five would be on that list. I would love to see Benfold's five, like maybe like 1999 Benfold's five, like Reinhold Messner era that would be that would be pretty dope um around the same time like 99 i want to say like silver chair um mm. mostly because at that point like neon ballroom had come out and uh they still had you know all their stuff from frog stomp and freak show and it's mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a cool show at that point um before before it gets a little too electric light orchestra e for me thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um okay. another band that I would like to have on my uh dream festival would probably be the Electric Light Orchestra. But uh but like Jeff Lynn's Electric Light Orchestra, like new electric light, like now like 2013 Electric Light Orchestra. Like, cause it's it's a more polished show. Um it's not I, I don't want to see like 70s ELO because it's it's not, it's not the same. It's, it's good. It's just doesn't have the same production value that it would now. Um, and I feel like the technology that now presents is just better. Uh, and, and I've heard, and they recently put out a live concert from that era and it's, or like even more recently, I feel like possibly even like 2016 or 18. Uh, so good. So, if you are an ELO fan, uh, modern ELO is great. Uh, moving down the list, I would say probably Nick Drake. If we're pulling stuff from like the seventies, I would say like like seventy one era, Nick Drake. Um, and then uh, let's see, I'd probably go the Living End. Uh, they're an Australian like psychobilly. Pop, punk, power rock band that I love to death, um, that I've seen a couple of times, but uh, I would say like maybe like 2005 ish era, uh, Living End would be dope. And then number 10, I would have to say The Muffs, um, maybe like 1999 era, because you get all that cool stuff from like the mid 90s and um, all of the like all of like the later 90s like uh like outer space and stuff like that um just an incredible band and uh also i'm still sort of still sort of hurting from the passing of kim shattuck so sure i want to add that to the list just because if i can i can you know that's a pretty solid list i like it all right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, again, you can hit us up on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Cover2CoverLive. Live. That is Cover, the number two, Cover Live. Um, you can also find us on the internet at Cover2CoverConversations.com. Uh, you can listen to Matt's show, cover To cover Conversations, every week, uh, right here where you're listening to this right now because it's the same. I will see you next week. Thank you guys for listening. Take care. Be safe. Matt, thank you.
1: Thanks, Derek. See you next time. Bye. Woodstock, New York, August of 69. Oh, boy. Half a million, half a million strong. And
0: growing. <laughs> <laughs> oh.